Sometimes you just got to keep on bucking. Hello and welcome to every, uh, each and every one of you. My name is Jason. I am the co-host of A Buck's Sake. I'm coming to you live from the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios on a Monday evening. Joined by the boys in the studio, as always, the For Buck's Sake Chief, Chief Analyst, Dave. G'day hello, mate. hello, hello. Um, have we ever had a week where we've had a guest from the week before fire us up so much, only for the uh, absolute... <laughs> Stuffing to be knocked out of us yeah. the following week. But he, to his credit, Big Joe, who was on the the show last week, my dad did say we only beat the fucking bottom side last week, and his his uh, his analysis was uh, proved to be correct because it's another dire week for the victory. Uh, he is very happy with his own performance last week. Uh, has been messaging me nonstop all week about. Uh, different victory tidbits and things like yeah, that. I think he wants yeah. to be a regular panelist. I think a, f- a few of our fans were really, you know, fired up as well. He got everyone into a really awesome state of mind, which we haven't had much of this season. And uh, yeah, it all came crashing down. Most definitely. Uh, so yeah, another uh, kind of awful week of the victory. Uh, joining us though is the man of the people, Buds. Um, hello, Buds. Welcome. Back once again. We, we continue to vuck. We continue to vuck. We, we vuck try. for the people. Yeah. Vucking all day, vucking all night. Vucking uh, in the free world. Yeah, if only the players vucked as hard as we did. We've got to try <laughs> and keep up the spirits a little bit uh, for the uh, for, for vuck's sake. It's hard coming in every week, especially right now. The the kind of uh, form we're in, it's tough to put a podcast together every week. Uh, it is a pretty big podcast this week, however. Um, just because the victory are awful, just because they're shit, doesn't mean that the podcast has to be. Uh, this week on the show, we've got the match review versus Adelaide. Uh, lots of talking points from that. Obviously, member of the week returns, so we're going to give one more member to our uh, favourite favorite member of all time. Uh, the ACL draw was on Wednesday, so we're going to go through that. Dave got a team and Bud's got a team. They analysed those. Uh, I heard Bud's did, did uh, much better than Dave at analysing our opposition. <laughs> Uh, victory. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Uh, I just didn't have the energy in me yeah, today to really. To the really fuck shit. Who cares anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've also got some updates on the victory women and also the youth, and we'll also discuss something that came out during the week um, in regards to victory perhaps profiting off a uh, a big World Cup from some of our players, um, as well as looking ahead to the uh, match against Brisbane Raw. Every week, there's fucking sirens. Almost every week. The staple life. of the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios. Uh, music theme, Dave is fired up. I think Dave's going to call for someone's head later on, or are we all going to collectively do it? Uh, the music theme I'm going to do in reference to that is just fire, because I feel like Dave is fired up and not in a good way. Are you angry, Dave? Uh, I am. Yeah. Yeah, probably not as angry as I was on Friday night. Now, hold on to that anger, stew on it. We're going to talk about it in a few moments' time. Uh, let's get into it. You're listening to Vaxak. Love is a burning thing. 
And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns the Ring of Fire, The Ring of Fire. Favak is brought to you by Ambrosia Fall Designs. You can find them at Telemarine. Ambrosia specializes in weddings, functions, and corporate events. Ambrosia also offer floral workshops, which make great gift ideas. Book a consultation for your next event by calling Leanne on 9338-3609, or you can contact her online at ambrosiafoldesigns.com and mention FVS to receive a discount off your next order. Uh, Melbourne Victory have once again lost. They've shut the bed once again, uh, and they've lost Adelaide 2-1 at home, uh, the final match. Uh, at Eddie Head Stadium this year. Thank God it's uh, time to move to Amy Park. Uh, but lots to talk about from this game. Uh, start off kind of lazily. It uh, wasn't a great start. Copped an early goal. Got one back. Or oh, Before that, Borussia got a penalty. Missed that. We got one back. Uh, and then seemingly things were okay. Milligan went off with an injury. And then once again, this re- reoccurring theme of things going against us and the wheels falling off. And that's exactly what happened that culminated in uh, Victory going down to Adelaide going down to nine men rather. And Victory having 10 minutes to get a, at least at the very least an equalizer. And it didn't eventuate. And once again, questions have to be asked of our manager, Kevin Musket. Dave. Let's start off with you. Let's before we get into the musket stuff, which we will soon. Let's discuss the game at large first. Your thoughts? Oh, you've uh, you've stuffed me up there because I was going to launch straight into a bit of uh, Kev angst. That's going to come uh, later on. Yeah, look, I agree that you know it was a lazy start. The game was littered with turnovers, and there were just all sorts of, I guess. Basic, simple errors. Uh, guys like Diawara and Blackwood have been impotent the entire season so far. Adelaide haven't been able to trouble the score as much. Uh, and both of them, I think, get their opening goals for the A-League season against us. Um, you know, we, we talked about um, on the podcast, but also on the forum about how Adelaide's back four were decimated. They've lost Matt Moore during the week and Absalonson still missing. We were pretty much at full strength and we still couldn't manage to get any kind of result. Uh, just infuriating. We're winless at home now all season. Uh, it's it's unacceptable. And Eddie Head Stadium, traditionally a pretty good hunting ground for us as well. So yeah, well, the that's fans the don't fir- might like it, but yeah. it's actually a pretty good place for the team to get a result usually. But uh, saw your video on Twitter of uh, Borussia missing that penalty. So I imagine you were pretty angry throughout the match. I wasn't angry as Dave. Yeah. I I put the extreme language warning and Dave was great value. Um, My first home game of the season, um, was really excited for it. But I walked in and I'd heard the reports that it's been dead. In the south end? Yeah, in the south end. But the whole stadium was dead. What I walked into was something I've never walked into before at a Melbourne victory game on a Friday night. Mm 16,778 on a Friday night against a team that had absolutely no right for us to lose against at home. 
Not a drop of rain in the sky and the atmosphere, apart from the Northern Terrace, who were fantastic, was dead. I've never watched the Star Wars movie, boys, but it would seem that the crowds are in a galaxy far, far away <laughs> at the moment. Very good. Uh, I'll put my hand up. I didn't go. I could have had the choice to go. I'm going overseas in a couple of weeks, so I you know, chose to stay home and save money. But if the team was really good, if they were exciting, I would have gone. Decided not to because the, the team are boring. Five games at home for a total of zero wins and four goals with our supposed mm. wealth of attacking options. Yeah. Um, the game style's broken. The midfield are absolutely hopeless. We can't string five passes together. And tonight, it's going to be very hard for me to critique the performance in the game style because I actually do not understand what the fuck is going on on this pitch. I don't yeah. understand yeah. it. Costa, Valeri and Milzy. What is this at home? Are they Valeri just, are and Milligan, two defensive midfielders, they stand side by side and a right forward who is deploying somewhere in midfield because there's no fucking, there's no shape in that midfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got a right forward in Costa Barbarossa's who can't beat a man and the other night passed it to everybody except his own teammates. He had an absolute shocker. He had an absolute shocker. Bessart Barisha made a lot of runs. I'm very critical on Bess, but Bessart busted his ass and ran and ran and ran and got zero service. And every defence in this league, bar Wellington, can effectively deal with him and our midfield and our attacking midfielder 90% of the time because 90% of the time we play exactly the same way. Yeah. There's something very strange going on if uh, the midfield triumvirate of Milligan, Troisi and Valeri can't dominate a game at home. Isai is completely bossed the middle of the park. Uh, and did the job of the two double pivots that we insist on playing week in, week out. Two defensive midfielders, constantly. No matter what the circumstances, home, away, against the stronger side, against the weaker side, it's the same formula. I brought two mates from work. Mm-hmm. And I said, come to this one. This is the one to come to. <laughs> they had a really good time because yeah. we got a lot of we got a lot of beer into us and they like their football men. Well, they're both northerners, uh, Big football men grew up on the terraces in England, so they just enjoyed yelling. They've yep. got half a clue about what's going on out there and players out there, but their man, right from the get-go to pick on, was Costa Barbarossa. Yep. And we were watching it and analysing it. Jason Guerrier got into better attacking positions than Costa the other night. It was just... Everyone was at sea. It was embarrassing. It was terrible. Um, I don't know I don't know what the hell is going on with Troisi and Barbarossa, but they both need to be dropped. They've had enough time now to settle after they the international breaks, we thought. They're both just going through the motions. They probably know that they're going to get picked for their national teams. They know they're probably going to make finals because that's the way the league is. They're not going to get dropped because they're both part of the boys' club. There is just no incentive for those guys to kick ass every mm-hmm. week. And they need to be dropped. That's the only way that it's going to get through their egos. But do we have the manager that's going to do it? I don't think so. No. And we'll get to that in a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tee you up. Yeah, and look, we said last week that this isn't a turning point. No. The 3-2 loss, sorry, the 3-2 win against Wellington, we had a a great 45 minutes. um, But we were very wary of the fact that it's not a turning point uh, and we were vindicated. Mm -hmm. Let's discuss uh, some critical moments in the game. Uh, The first one I want to discuss is the Borussia penalty. Probably wasn't a penalty to begin with. We're very fortunate to actually get it. Every single person knew exactly where Bessart Barisha was going. He was going to that bottom left, and sure enough, he did, and uh, it was saved. I just don't understand the mentality of Bessart Barisha. He 
<laughs> almost similar to Kev, just doesn't want to change it up. You could see Milligan wanted to take it. There was a there was about three of them that kind of had a little bit of a discussion, and Best kind of put the arm up in yeah. the air. It didn't palm everyone off, but basically said, "I got this, boys. I got this. This is mine." Um, he should never yeah. take a penalty again. Yeah, I think he's done. I now remember more of his misses than I do yeah. his actual penalty mm-hmm. success stories. Yeah. Uh, I think he's gone that same way all but two or three times. He's maybe taken uh, 13 or 14 penalties for Melbourne Victory. Quite astounding. Um, he goes the same way every time. And just at this point, um, it's just it's just really reflective of the team. He's just predictable, just like the team. In that video I posted the other day on Twitter of... Penalty from behind. You can hear everyone saying, bottom left, yeah. bottom left. It was just <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Milligan goal, though, uh, was good. And for a brief moment, it thought, or everyone kind of thought that perhaps we've got ascendancy this game again. So it was a great goal from Mark Milligan. Um, some great lead up play as well. But then Milligan gets injured. Uh, looks like it'll probably uh, an injury that's going to keep him on the sidelines for a lengthy spell. Look like a hamstring. And then the wheels fall off again. I really hope that injury is not too bad because Carvalari needs to retire. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not good. We we mentioned a, a week or two ago that the uh, amount of game time Milligan, our marquee player, has been having is you know not really reflective of the investment we've made on him. Uh, it, it it's yeah it's it's just depressing at the moment. Yeah. Really. Uh, so then that happens and. Adelaide score a goal. Uh, and then they get a bit complacent and they cop a red card for silly... For two, two red card for, cards for something really, really silly. Finally, someone got a red card in this league for time wasting. Yeah. Yeah, it was and surprising, wasn't it? The, we, had, we had 10 minutes or maybe even longer to actually find an equaliser with nine men. Now, discuss the tactics here. What, what should we have done and what did we do, Dave? Well... What we, what we did is exactly what we always do. Mm-hmm. Like-for-like like substitutions, no change in the shape, no, I guess, you know, acceptance of the circumstances and, and, and adjusting according to them. So you have an advantage in that situation. Surely you change the shape, you put an attacker up there as well uh, to increase the amount of chances you might have. Um, it's just stubbornness, uh, and look, everyone can see it, except for Kevin Musket. It seems the Broxham for Gary, uh, sorry, the Negro, Negro substitutions yeah. has really rustled the jimmies of a lot of Victory fans. Uh, Lee Broxham is a fan's favourite. Um, always, uh, always, fans, nothing, yeah. nothing against Broxham, but it was just it didn't make sense. And all reports from people we know was before the game they talked to Kenny, who was on the bench. All game, and Kenny knew, and said to the guys, "I'm not coming on tonight." Yeah, I'm not coming on at all. Yes, yeah, so that was uh, posted on the forum by a member who said they spoke with Kenny. They bumped into him before the match and you know, asked if he was going to be a chance of taking the field. And he said he already knew because he was not going in to that be ten minutes that. where we didn't change shape. Yeah, they tried a couple of times, which was amazing to pass it to Best through the corridor, mm-hmm. but Adelaide just blocked it up. So, if you're passing to best of defeat and block it up, there's nothing you can do when you don't change the shape and don't change the formation. Mm. Even though they had nine, like Ned Zelich summed it up the best. He said, Adelaide 0-5-3 formation holds on. 
and they did because yep. they didn't have to do anything. Yep. And all we did was just continue to kick it wide and do nothing with it. Like our ball retention is so bad and our passing range is so bad. It's So this will be a good opportunity right now because Kevin Musket was pressed in the uh, post-game presser by uh, David Davidovich. Also, I think Clementino uh, had some questions as well for Kevin. So it's good to see... The the wheels starting to turn a little bit with the journalists. They're starting to ask the hard questions of Kevin. I think the pressure is starting to mount. Uh, this was uh, from Davidovich, or in response to David Davidovich's question about whether Musket should is it time to change anything up in terms of tactics or formation. Um, and this is what Kevin Musket had to say. David, sir, again, um, and I don't. Uh, I'm not going to shy away from it, David. Uh, you know, you, you, we speak about mix things up. I think we've had, you know, before, including this week, we've uh, possibly mixed it up more than any other team in the league in terms of personnel. So uh, I know where you're going, but, uh, you know, we, we've done that. And, uh, you know, it's about time we just, just, we've got to take stock and take responsibility and, and uh, you know, rid of, you know, things that are harming us. Uh, and mixing it up is certainly not one of them at the moment. Uh, you know, if you want to go on about, uh, you know, structurally or, or things like that, uh, you know, last week no one was, you know, we weren't pinpointing mixing it up last week. And for the main, main of that tonight, uh, you know, we created, we were the, uh, we were the team that uh, was getting the ball down. We dominated in every possible stat. But that doesn't impress me. You know, it's the things that we can do so much better. You know, lapses of concentration that gives away goals. You know, you, you give yourself a mountain to climb. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you mix it up or how much you mix tactically up. If you're going to give goals away like that, you're going to make it difficult for yourself. Now, is that a bit of a smart-ass answer to yeah. that question? I won't shy away from it. Proceeds I know, to I know then shy, about, shy away I know, from it. I know where you're going, but then gives a smart-ass answer about we've mixed it up yeah. more than anyone else because of the, the outs we've had through international duty. But that's not what he meant. Well, what... what what exactly is mix it up? Put put a different player in the same system in the same role. I just love yeah, how he just he went straight into oh you know last week we weren't talking oh yeah about yeah we weren't talking about it, up, about yeah. it last week pinpointing mixing so it up so defensive. What when when you let fell over the line against the worst team the competition's <laughs> ever seen? Like the, the the level of defensiveness is just astounding. Like oh. I understand you know he's you know looking after his own job in in a sense in answering these questions, but. Yeah, it just shows you that the hard questions, as you said, Jace, being asked, he's not able to answer them but adequately. They, they weren't even hard. Like, And I understand that there's only a few journalists in this town covering this game properly, so you don't really want to shit too hard where you eat, so to speak. Yeah. But let's we're going to have to call one of them out. When it's not Michael Lynch asking the safe question that Kev likes and Kev gives him precedence over everyone to start with, Kev's a prick to journos. Yeah. He's an absolute prick and some of his answers are pathetic. Like he cited at the start of that thing lapse of concentration five times. He's unwilling to accept responsibility. Completely un, un yeah. unwilling yeah. to accept any responsibility when there's a clear lack of tactical awareness and a disjointed game style that everyone can see. Everyone can see it. It it's 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 this stubbornness now that is beyond a joke. Like you know, listening to Adam Peacock talk about that Broxham substitution. It just the mind boggles when you have a two men advantage that you don't try mm-hmm. and actually take some sort of ascendancy. You know, we see it with um, Sydney FC 
bringing on Matt Simon with 15 or 10 minutes to go. Now, he's a bit of a hack, but what he does is basically get in everyone's face, you know, chase things down, and it's an extra body in the front third. He's a fresh set of legs that's, that's right. physical that actually but can win an aerial battle can too. can win an aerial battle and can score. The fact is we've got a coach who won too much too early and his plan A is not even his own plan A. It's Postacoglu's. Yeah. The guy's done and honestly, if he's here yep. past this A-League and ACL campaign, there's going to be a lot of fans reassessing whether it's we're going to the game or, or renewing we're, just their gonna, membership. we're just going to watch it on Foxtel. Well, the the crowd number on Friday spoke for itself. They're Majilton they're Majilton and they're Mehmet, numbers, they're yeah. Majilton and Mehmet era numbers. Yep. Yeah. And that was honestly the worst performance I've seen probably since the very last game that Mehmet was ever coach of, which was away to Central Coast. Uh, mm. it was like on January fourth of twenty twelve. It was so bad. Gee, that's really good date recollection there, mate. So uh, impressive. So I think the pressure is well and truly on Kev. We said a few weeks ago that we would wait until the end of the season. There's no point getting rid of him now. Uh, the discontent among fans, especially on Twitter, I saw someone making an acrostic poem uh, saying, must get out. It's a little poem. It's a beautiful art form. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so even fans who are, you know, staunch fucks who really love the club and love the boys are starting to realise that you know the season's gone and, and I think changes need to be made. We need a fresh approach, a fresh uh, kind of game style and, and Kev's just not the one to to provide that. So what's the que- what's what's the answer to this question now, Dave? Do we get rid of him now or do we just say he's a club legend, let's pay him the respect, let's let him see out the year and then we'll we'll look to to change it up next year. So are we just essentially throwing away a year? A year? Jace, my usual take on this has always been one of one of patience and let's wait, let's be calm. But I can't be calm anymore about this. I think we need to see new influence. I think we need new leadership, a new flavour. Um, we the phrase I used the other week: were, "Are we getting all kevved out?" I am, um, and you know it's with a heavy heart. I don't I don't make these statements, um, you know, easily. It's it's hard to to come to that sort of conclusion in your mind, but. I really think that we need a change in direction. And we know that the board won't do it because uh, it's it's so established and ingrained right now. And, and yeah. I, I, and do they have the balls to do it? At what point will the board actually tap him on the shoulder? Yeah. The thing is with these things, always, always is, regardless of any club in the world, when you bring in a favourite son, you have to accept the fact that one day it's going to end badly. It's just like any relationship for the most part. They, when they end, they, they're going to end badly. The, only, the best case scenario for this was, you know, Kevin was a, a world beater and won every trophy every year and then the, the Socceroos call him up. That's the only kind of plausible scenario in which this was going to end happily and that's not going to happen. In fact, uh, the, the Socceroos coming up, uh, or the, the managerial position coming up for, um, to be, you know, to be one has come at the wrong time for Kev because his managerial career is seemingly falling apart throughout the last uh, few months. So it was always going to end badly, and I think the club has to recognise that that they have to make the big call. They have to make the big call. They're not going to make the big call. Um, for me, the board's got to go as well. There's got to be there's got to be a change through the whole club. Um, the backroom staff have got to go. You, you trimmers have got to go. Like the 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 recruiting's been shocking this season. Like apart like. 
Williams, Williams and George have been shining lights, but by and large, we don't have a competitive squad. We've got the biggest off-season in the world. It's too top-heavy. To get it right, it's too top-heavy. I'll slightly disagree with that. I think the squad and the the personnel that we have at our our disposal is is of a decent quality. We just happen to play as a side that lacks personality. We're we're robotic. Maybe they need a nice person because Kev's not likeable. You just don't know. The players seem to have a united front and in his press conference he talked about team spirit being high but... They're not playing like team spirits high. I hear from a couple of people who have their ear to the ground that the players just seem to go through the motions at training, that it's it's very much a robotic, same sort of stuff, just hammered into them on a daily basis. Unfortunately, I think he has to stay until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. He has to see out the ACL campaign. We're so into our sports science at this club that maybe they're waiting for you know the boys to charge through at that point in time where the ACL campaign starts it's just the season's gone but just keep the stability um, but do not renew the contract yeah well that's that's the question isn't it the contract do not comes renew up. the contract this is this doesn't come to a football decision now for Melbourne victory it's going to start impacting them commercially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is already, as we've said, the crowds. The support, the boys brigade are turning. Yeah. The South End is dead. They're the most staunch people you've ever seen. There was four attempts for call and response from the North End for North-South chant the other night and there was not one person that responded. Uh, Big Joe would have been shattered. People are over it and it's sad. It's very, very sad. Just quickly on that recruitment one, I think the recruitment was okay. It was just mostly... Sorry, the, the actual player recruitment was okay. The fact that they didn't recruit for depth was perhaps the issue as well. Uh, too top-heavy in that regard, probably spending all your money on uh, a certain select players and uh, yeah, and, they're not, and they're, not, they're <coughs> obviously not living up to the hype as well. I mean, teresi has been pretty awful. Costa uh, Barbaroussis has been pretty awful. The, the decision around signing Sanchez remains, mm-hmm. sort of lingers over things. The fact that we still don't have a left back, we talked about it the entire off-season, it's yeah. still a problem. I mean, yeah, Broxham and Negro are serviceable, but you want someone with a left peg who can actually do both things, you know, well, attack and defend uh, in this kind of system, yeah. especially. Look at look at what Georgievskis gave us last year, Georgievski gave us last, well, the last look, three years, really. some of the ways that Georgievski and FBK used to link up on yeah. the left side. It used to be quite devastating. It was quick ball movement. They were in sync with each other. That's what you need. There is no... And I like Negro there. I want youth. We all want youth. We're screaming, but he hooks him too quickly. He doesn't have any faith in him. doesn't let him learn from his mistakes, as you saw when he got skinned for that second goal. Well, the combination thing too, Guerrero and Barbarossa's, you know, particularly in the title-winning years, were just, as you said, in the same way, devastating. Yeah, on the right. Uh, interesting as well. There was a piece released in the Herald Sun earlier today, um, done by Matt Windley and David Davidovich, asking uh, LA coaches about certain various questions and things like that. Uh, one of the questions that were asked of all LA coaches is, uh, "What's the best way to develop youth in this country?" Kevin Musket's reply was, "Give players more opportunities." Interesting. Away from Melbourne Victory. <laughs> They're not Melbourne Victory. Uh, yeah, he wants expansion and you put all the youth teams, uh, youth players in the expansion teams. I heard Davidovich on the radio on my drive into here and he was talking about, as soon as I turned the car on, he was talking about pressing Kev about mixing it up. Yeah. I think he's going to write a piece tomorrow again about Kev's 
Inflexibility. Inflexibility. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any votes? Yeah, we do. Uh, Reese Williams three again. Of course. It's just the Reese. It's the Reese Williams show. Uh, Mark Milligan with two and Leroy George with one. Yeah, and once again, thanks to everyone who are is uh, is continuing to vote. We know it's tough, and we kind of grimace at the thought of having to make those statuses every week asking for votes when we play terribly. Um, we do thank everyone for putting in their votes. Um, it's time to award one last Mehmet to our favourite Mehmet. It's time for Mehmet of the Week. Yeah, what do you do, you know? Um... When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's... Mehmet Jurakovic. It's uh, everybody's favourite award, Member of the Week. Before I give the Mehmet to um, our favourite Mehmet, which is Tim Cahill, uh, I just came across something on Friday night, which I thought deserved a bit of a Mehmet as well. Uh, it looks like Bradley McEwen from Tunnel Chan News. Um, they've got the A-League rights this year and they do a little piece on the Friday night news Archie, uh, asking Archie Thompson for his A-League tips. Always chooses Melbourne victory. Um, very biased Archie Thompson. Uh, but he, the way he introduced Archie this week, I, I thought was a little bit interesting. Let's, uh, let's play that now. Now with his A-League tips for round 10, here's our resident man of the people, Archie Thompson. So that'll be seven foot. G'day Brad, how are you? Well, we're a third of the way through the season and Melbourne victory take on Adelaide United at Etihad Stadium tonight. Uh, that's enough of that. They saw, you, they saw your uh, moniker. It's nice to see that Brad listens to the pod. <laughs> uh, but this week, yeah, as mentioned, we have to give it one more time because we don't know if we're going to get a chance to give it to Tim Cahill one more time. Uh, Tim Cahill has left the A-League. He's decided that um, if he's going to get a spot in Russia, he has to get more regular game time. Um, God knows what football team on earth that's capable, that's decent enough, is going to give first-team football to a 38-year-old player. Do you know what the hot tip is? Yeah. He's gone for more game time, and the hot tip is going to go to the MLS, whose season finished on <laughs> Sunday and starts again in March. Surely not true. Yeah, there's a, a lot of rumours flying around about where he might end up. We've heard... Um, Kaya Spore with uh, Tony Popovich. I've heard Adelaide United mentioned. It's really hard to get a handle on it. Uh, I'm pretty sure also when he joined, I can't remember the exact details, but when he joined City, I think there was all talk of him eventually taking on an coaching am- role. A- amb- amb- ambassador type role and then some sort of coaching role, as mm-hmm. you said. Um, yeah, he, he had everything sort of set up there for a great transition into... Uh, retirement and possibly coaching, but now that's all gone. Yeah, he set up a man, set up, bought his mansion in Lower Plenty, fifteen minute drive from City Football Group HQ. It was. It looks good from the Instagram stories. His mansion. It's got a tennis court out there. It's got a pool. Yeah, honestly, seen a lot at the Bolton Street Chicken Shop down down around that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, flex his chicken. Yeah, apparently so. Our mm. friend from uh, Destruction in the Box, Clarky, spotted yeah. him a few times. <laughs> uh, overall, so just a, just a quick stat overall on, on Team Cahill because it was obviously the FFA who brought him in on this made-up rule to maximise um, the commercial aspect of things. Uh, Melbourne City's attendance the year before Cahill was 11,062. 
this year it's 8,839. So it has regressed. It's quite surprising because we all know Tim Cahill's a flog. And it's still quite surprising that it had no impact whatsoever. In fact, it had a regressive impact. He always talks about age just being a number, but does he actually know how old he is? He's 38. Now, I'm not saying that he can't play a role wherever he goes. I'm sure he will. But to be in, you know, in the frame for a first-team role, week in, week out, playing you know, majority of the minutes, it just isn't going to happen at 38 years of age. Even for the national team, he's, he's playing an impact role predominantly. Yeah. And he chose Melbourne City, a team that was already stacked with attacking options. So Fornaroli went down and he thought he was going to take the top mantle. But then they brought in McCormick, who's an injury replacement. But he's going to go soon anyway when Fornaroli comes back. So where did Tim see himself? But even when Fornaroli was fit, they They generally played... They played crap together. But they generally played most of the game together, even though they perhaps didn't combine as well. Uh, as they would have liked. But it just it, it, it boggles the mind. I have to think that it has more to it than just I want to play to be in the frame for Russia. Because I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that Warren Joyce has come in and he's not ha- not taking any shit from anyone. And Kale, as we know, you just mentioned, he's a flog. He's also got a massive ego and he likes doing things his way. So how much of this actually has more to do with Warren Joyce rubbing him up the wrong Absolutely. way. Absolutely, I think it's a worrying thing that Warren Joyce is uh, starting to develop a bit of a culture there. Thinks Aussies are soft. Mm. I've had it on good authority that he's quoted as saying he thinks Aussies are soft and doesn't give a shit for egos. So Interesting. It's actually really good for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's worrying. So, it's worrying because yeah. uh, if he awakens them, um, it's only a matter of time before they, they start to rule the roost around here. Which is, in a footballing sense, I don't think they'll beat us crowds-wise. Although, with the way we're going, uh, who knows? Everyone loves a winner. Yeah, in the meantime, uh, thanks, Tim Cahill, for all the memories. The last year's uh, Member of the Year recipient. Um, If you return to the A-League, maybe uh, we'll see you again. The next sponsor of Avux Sake is the LIT services. You can contact Pete on 100 the hour for help with anything IT related. Uh, so don't forget to give Peter a call on 100 the hour because of the LIT services. They give a hoot. So on Wednesday, the draw for the ACL was uh, done, and we got two teams and a yet to be named team in Group F. I think it may have been. Um, 
and we got who we get Kawasaki Frontale, who I think we've played before, and also John Book Hyundai, who I think it's we've fitting, also played before. It's fitting that it's Group F because yeah, we're that. fucked. <laughs> so we got the boys, uh, Dave and Buds, to go in and do a bit of research on our potential opponents or. They are not our potential opponents. They are our opponents. Uh, we'll start off with John Book. Um, also, just for interest's sake, it's probably likely that the, th- the fourth team to make up that group will be SIPG Shanghai, who we have played before. And I think they're the rich ones. They're the, they're, well, they're all rich in China, but those are the really rich ones um, who have had... It's actually Ulsan Hyundai. Ulsan Hyundai. My yeah. mistake. Sorry to Ulsan. Um, so no disrespect m- intended. Motoring theme. Yeah, this big motoring theme. The other one's John Book Motors. John Book Motors. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so who wants to start off first? I think uh, we'll get Dave first uh, to go and uh, run his ruler through Kawasaki Frontale. I'm going to go first because I know that uh, Buds is going to have f- far more interesting things to say. But Kawasaki Frontale. Yes. Uh, they have a historical link with Gremio in Brazil, which is why the... Logo and colours are basically identical to Gremios in Brazil. Um, That's pretty good. Frontale means frontal. frontal. Pretty obvious little (laughs) fact there in Italian. He's doing very well. Yeah. um, I won't tell you which site uh, I use to get all this information. It's a site that no one's ever heard of to get information. Um, Keep your aura up, mate. Keep your aura up. Yes, yes, yes. Fake it till you make it. Uh, (laughs) Look, as a result of this Brazilian link, they're actually really heavily influenced by Brazilian imports. I think they have four Brazilians on their roster. None of those Brazilians are anyone of note, from what I could tell. A very running theme in Japanese football. Also, did you know, I'll, uh, I'll tell you this, that in Sao Paulo uh, is the highest number of Japanese immigrants outside Japan. Been to a couple of restaurants in Sao Paulo. Yeah. Corinthians country, excellent city. So big link between Japan and Brazil, but go on. Gremio, also Lucas Lavia, Liverpool legend, and there now you go. Lazio. They're just your run-of-the-mill Brazilians, though, at Gremio. You know, your standard kind of uh, one-word one names uh, that are abbreviated from five different names. N-E-N-O. And, you know, and most of them, you know, are from the Brazilian leagues. And, and you know, as I said... Brazilians no, from no, the Brazilian capped, leagues. As in... Direct from Brazil, nothing. Uh, yeah, awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome observation there. However, their captain Kobayashi is oh. one. He is one to watch. Uh, he's he's a striker. He won the J League MVP for, of course, the title winning Kawasaki Frontale, and he won the Golden Boot. So that's one player that uh, our defence will have to be wary of. They play in a stadium with an athletics track around it, which sucks for all those travelling fans. Although I don't know how many people are going to bother with the uh, travelling seeing as we're probably No, no, don't trounced. say that. Regardless of the results and how victory play. It's all about the, the camaraderie. Going, well, going away and travelling in Asia is one of the biggest joys you'll ever have. I've done it before. Uh, when I was 18, two weeks after I turned 18, it was a life-changing experience. So if you are considering it, especially if you're a younger listener at home and you haven't been overseas before, um, get mum and dad's permission and then book a flight. It's very cheap on Jetstar. Uh, I think about 700 bucks return. Um, yeah, amazing. To go see Vitry away is a great experience. To go see him away overseas is even better. Yes, after my recent trip to Korea, and it's good that I'm getting the Korean team, uh, I don't think I'm going to make it to this ACL campaign, but I'm going to have absolutely massive FOMO for those that do make it because I think this will trump any A-League fixture you could go to. 
Ulsan Hyundai FC, uh, as you may put two and two together, they are owned by the Hyundai Motor Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ulsan is an industrial city. Uh, basically, Ulsan is Hyundai and has the world's second largest oil refinery. Oh. So it's a salt of the earth town. So Ulsan Hyundai FC play out of the Ulsan Munsu football stadium, capacity 44,102, built for the 2002 World Cup, co-hosted by Japan and South Korea. Ulsan is South Korea's seventh largest city with a population of 1.1 million tucked in the southeast corner of the lovely country of South Korea, so bordered by the coastline. They are the current Korean FA Cup champions. And for those who are well-versed in their AFC, they're the 2012 Champions League champions. Oh, so they've been there, done that. So they've pedigree. been there, done that. They've got a good pedigree. They're two-time K-League champions and seven times runners-up. And for the last two seasons, they've finished fourth place in the K-League. Uh, didn't get out of the group of the last ACL campaign. Had a look at the... Uh, we, we talked about doing some power rankings. The uh, Asian yeah. Champions League actually do power rankings for their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, Ulsan Hyundai are 32. Mm-hmm. The VAC are 38. And Frontale are 13. Um, notable yeah. p- notable players for the Hyundai outfit is uh, Mislav Orsic, uh, a Croatian attacking midfielder. Uh, played his trade for a couple of years at Rijeka, uh, left Rijeka in 2016, and they're currently the Croatian champions. And the guy to watch out for is Lee Jong-ho, and they nicknamed him the Gwangyang Rooney. <laughs> uh, he's a Korea, South Korean international now, uh, wears the number 10, and scored in their last few games, scored in the, I think, K-League Cup semifinals. Uh, and another boy, uh, 23-year-old uh, striker, Kim Seung-jun. Mm. Uh, Ulsan would be a cracking away trip. You've got the Alps there, you've got whale cruises, you've got ecological parks, and you've got industry and beautiful coastline, salt of the earth place, good uh, scenery. One hour from Seoul, uh, five flights there daily on Korean Air from Seoul. Ah, beautiful. Uh, equals for mine, a good away trip. Uh, spend a couple of days in Seoul and then go and see the real Korea in a place like Ulsan. Uh, it would be cheaper, the food would be better, the girls are meant to be prettier. All you young strapping... Young Vucks. Well, actually, uh, a listener of this show, if I'm not mistaken, went to the last ACL campaign, uh, James Fazzino. You might know him. Yes. Yep. He he went over there. He met a girl over there. Korean girl? Korean girl. I think she was originally... She's Korean... She lived in America of Korean descent. She was in there. She was there doing something. Uh, Anyway, long story short, she now lives with him in Northcote. So... That's uh, that's love and away trip. You can't plan for it, um, but when it happens, it just strikes you. As you may you have heard the other week, they're um, they like Melbourne boys over there. Yeah, um, they're very forward and they're very lovely. Look, if you're white, advantage you straight off the bat. Uh, we've played Kawasaki Frontale before um, in the 2010 AFC Champions League. Uh, got battered to uh, to them uh, away four nil. And then we won against them in the return league in Melbourne. So uh, that's the only history we've got against Kawasaki. I haven't played Ulsan before. Um, hard to say how our chances will be. It's I, still I about always six weeks like away. our chances in the ACL, but there's one, there's one thing I just love. I love week midweek footy. Yeah. I love seeing players that are higher quality than ours play on our grounds and fizz shots at keepers that are yeah. on target. Yeah, I know. It's, it's good. 
Like when you have a, a, a Guangzhou Evergrande and you've got those superstars playing mm. or you've got those superstars of Asian football, there's going to be... Dario Conker. Oh, yeah. Those types. You know. and you're going to have your frontals fronting up. Yep. And they're going to just smash into the back of the net. It's it's really good to see. So I like the ACL. Um, that's why I don't want us to suck this year because I want to mm-hmm. keep making this competition because it's great. I never buy the Super Pass, but... Yeah, no. Nah. Just turn up when you yeah. want. I bought it last... Last time around, and but um, I, I think who who's so we just touched on these two. Who are our prospective third opponents? Because Shanghai SIPG is in the mix. Yeah, Bar- and Bar- so is Bali United. I think Marcos Flores is still at Bali United. I am. I'm. But there's no chance to get past the Chinese team, surely. Yeah, no, no. chance. No chance. Uh, uh, so this is Melbourne Victory's sixth uh, campaign. And, uh, yeah, you are correct. Marcos Flores does currently play for Bali United. Anyway, uh, Melbourne Victory's sixth campaign. Um, so far, we've played 33 games in the Asian Champions League, have won nine of them, uh, drawn 11 and lost 13. So, uh, pretty even across the board there, not too... Not and, too uh, and we disparate. still haven't won a game away in the Asian yeah, Champions no, League. Yeah, I don't think so, yeah. So, all those wins... That'd be a nice thing home. to uh, knock off this time around. Mm. So that's about it for now. We'll probably get uh, a bit more in depth with that as the uh, the months draw closer or the time draws closer to the, the first group game, which will be, I think, in March. Somewhere around there. Yeah. But save your pennies because the return trips to, I think, to get to Korea, if you want to go by Cathay, mm-hmm. which is a good airline, get like 800 bucks return. Yeah. And you fly to Hong Kong eight hours, three hours from Hong Kong to Seoul. It's, it's done. It's yeah. so... It's so manageable. Traveling's never been easier and cheaper. Yeah, so. and Jetstar are always doing sales to Japan. It's ridiculously cheap to go. And it's like a whole other universe. It's, Japan is ridiculous to go to. I haven't been to Korea, but I just imagine it'd be the same. Yep. Uh, let's discuss a few tidbits uh, from the victory over the last week. Uh, the women won 4-0 against Adelaide United at Lakeside Stadium. Um, thanks to my girl, Nadia, who uh, gave me a report. Our girl, G, didn't play, uh, but she said it was a really strong game from the uh, the Vuck girls. Uh, about three to 400 people in attendance. Uh, Di Pietro was one of those people in attendance. Um, $8 beers at full strength. And $8? They're going nils. up, have they? I don't know, but that's a full strength beer. So uh, good value at the, the Vuck ladies. Uh, the youth... Can you believe, after what happened last week, that the youth actually won on the Friday night the Etihad Stadium curtain raiser? I believe they won 1-0. Um, Thea, Harris, Thea Harris was playing in that game. Uh, Kevin was asked about Thea Harris playing that game. He said, I didn't see it. And uh, then I think Clement Tito, the, uh, the journalist, the local leader journalist, asked, uh, are we likely to see Thea Harris in more games this year? He goes, everyone will get their chance. I don't really ask. I don't really understand the question, Clem. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Paul Clemmy <laughs> just yeah, put his head up and just yeah. got whacked. Good um, on him for answering. Good on him. Good yeah. on your Apparently, Theo was in the terrace. Yeah, I yes. heard that. Yeah. Northern Terrace. Uh, any truth to these rumours about uh, German clubs sniffing around for Theo Harris? Oh, I don't know. I hope they do. Yeah, this was your take, wasn't it? That he's not going to get just, a game just to prove. Yeah, just the against Kevin. I hope they all leave Kevin because he doesn't freaking play him. <laughs> like he doesn't nurture them. He doesn't You're trust right. them. He doesn't allow them to learn from their mistakes. He just mm-hmm. kills their confidence, and then they go off and they play better elsewhere. Yeah. So go and get it. You're you're a cracker, Theo. I like what you've done. You cut your jibs good. Go and make a career for yourself because you're not going to do it under this manager. Now, some news that came out uh, that does impact on the victory potentially. 
given some of the form of our, some of our players, is that <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Melbourne Victory stand to make, was it 9,000 pounds or even more? 18,000 18, pounds, pounds so per day. 37,000 Australian, yeah. something like that. Per day for each World Cup participant while they're gone during the World Cup. Yep. So, so every- FIFA are paying 6,000 pounds a day per player to the clubs that play at the FIFA World Cup mm-hmm. in Russia. Their pay starts pretty much from the time they get into camp for the World Cup over in Russia or the neighbouring countries where they set up. And that will be payments made from June the 1st, I think fortnight before kickoff. If Australia just just stay in the group stage, which they will, and we possibly get Troisi Milligan and Reese Williams, we stand to earn about $900,000 Australian. That's basically Mark Milligan's wasted marquee wage for this year. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, huge news potential for the club. But, once again, we are not playing well and a new manager comes in. If he's an international manager, there's no way knowing he'll come in and and let Teresi keep his spot, given given the form. Or even Milligan. Milligan, I mean, mean, you'd think that Milligan is a lock, but and he's obviously the safest out of those three, but there are no guarantees. Mm. The new manager might have that more of a kind of a pimba-bake type attitude when it comes to the foreigners. And he might think, well, I'd rather go with a Jimmy Jago or a, you know, a, someone else who's playing in Europe. Well, uh, maybe you'll pick Staff it, Romini. Maybe you'll pick it Danny De Silva over a James Troisi. Mm. That's right. Yeah, yeah. right now, form, De form a lot, would dictate that decision. It's a lot more exciting as well. Uh, at the higher level for Melbourne Victory is that Ian Robson, the CEO, uh, recently announced his resignation, uh, I think last Tuesday. Going uh, to row boats. Going to rowing Australia. Uh, so obviously this was in the pipeline for quite a while. Um, we didn't get wind of it. Our sources have dried up. Now, good. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that... Uh, We've parted ways with Ian Robson. I think, you know, he sort of just landed at the club. It was like, you know, Melbourne Victory where his parachute from the chaos and disaster that was Essendon. Yeah. Um, where he came from and oversaw that entire supplements regime. Mm-hmm. Pretty much got out of it scot-free. Yeah, yeah. And look, he came into a pretty cushy kind of situation. You know, the, the number one football club in the country. Already a well-run entity. So... Yeah, look, I, I really hope that we appoint someone with some vision and everything, but the cynic in me sort of says that it's a figurehead role and the board make all the decisions anyway. Yeah, nothing lost, nothing gained, kind of. Yeah, I oh. can't really, I don't know what kind of legacy he'll leave, if anything. He's not a football person. Um, Trent Jacobs will just be groomed for yeah, his role and just they'll, that's do the, the word. they'll do the worldwide search and... Yeah, Trent will get the job. They'll land at the same. He's person done the hard there. yards, Trent. So in the chief operating officer role, and is probably as good as anyone to take the step up. So let's look ahead to the next game, Sunday, seven o'clock. We love those times. Oh, it's awesome. Six v seven on the table. Melbourne it's up in Victory. Brisbane, isn't it? It's up in Brisbane. So it'll be another empty stadium. Yeah. Uh, six v seven on the table. We're seventh. They're sixth. Uh, one one draw against them at home only a month ago. We said at the time that if we can't beat Brisbane Raw, then we are really in trouble. And we didn't beat them, and we are really in trouble. Uh, Milligan, I'd say, is probably out. So Sanchez gets his chance once again to show absolutely probably nothing. Uh, both pretty awful teams, and I'm not expecting a whole lot. Dave, 
can you draw any positives from this whatsoever? Nothing. Nada. <laughs> no confidence given our Let's just pack up the podcast and go tactical home. Tactical ineptitude coupled with our extremely poor record at Suncorp. Mm. Um, it's last chance saloon for Kev in my mind. Um, I've kind of already made the decision, but can he prove us wrong? And can he actually make some radical changes? This is, this is you know... As we said, everybody knows it except Kev. Does he start to take stock of all the outside noise and maybe internal noise about the tactical inflexibility? We're, we're a broken record here about it and yeah. it just feels really weird talking about it all the time. But if you're not going to figure it out now, you're never going to figure it out. Is there... We said before that the, the club probably won't do anything. However, is there a scenario that would force their hand to do it in terms of you know, lose two, lose three. That's an three. excellent question. Yeah, what, what, what's the tipping point for yeah. the board to actually have that statement and say, we, we fully back Kevin Musket and then you know, a week later yeah. uh, appoint someone else or you know, John Paul DeMarinay takes I, the reins for I know a what bit. it'll be. So if actually, we lose, he's gone. We'll get done to Brisbane. We'll lose the derby. Mm-hmm. Then that really fortunate kind of uh, contrived home home game period we get when everyone's on school holidays mm-hmm. uh, in between yeah, Christmas three and games in a row, and, don't we? And um, no one's going to turn up to them, and that's probably when something might happen. Yeah, a win in but between there somewhere probably buys him the, the season. <laughs> Or another six weeks at the very Mate, least. Mate, when he wins, no one nitpicks about mixing it up. No one complains <laughs> mixing it up. So. When we're down 2-0, we still won out of our ass. No one complains, do they? Uh, I don't think we'll lose this one. I think we can at least draw draw it. We still have, we still have quality. That's the thing. You're just yeah. like forever hopeful that it's just going to click into gear one day. Well, that's kind of what we thought after the excellent result in Perth. We thought... Mm. This is the turning point. And then, of course, we were humiliated by Newcastle 4-1. And then we went on to pull out a result over in Wellington. Yeah. But uh, there's there's been nothing consistent, nothing that we can actually hang our hat on to suggest that you know we have turned things around and clicked. We got the second worst attack at home, but we've <laughs> got the second best attack away. Oh, super stat. Thanks, uh, Chris Muir, for those stats on the rail bus home the other night. Nice one, Mm -hmm. Muir. That's all that you could think that we could pull a result out here. Actually, I'm a bit tongue-tied. I don't know what to say. I can't say anything positive. We just don't don't know. I don't want to be a a negative Nelly. Yeah, it's it's tough. I I don't want to be negative either. I think we've we've got the team that can turn it around, but it's not happening. We just need need some change. We just need some tactical change. They're crap, but... I can see, I can honestly, oh, I'll go through these. I can see he always plays good against us. Corey Brown. Yeah, he Always does. plays good against us. Hingit plays decent against us. Jamie Young always has a yeah. blinder against us. Ivan Franjic, he'll score. <laughs> FBK, he'll score. Is he going to play? He was out of the uh, last game. I don't yeah, know. He missed the last game, but I don't think he's out with anything serious. Macaroni, he'll score too. So Brett Holman, I don't think Holman's there anymore. Eric Botiak, actually, yeah, Holman's injured, I think. But yeah. uh, Botiak, their, their French signing, who sort of arrived late in the piece. Botiak, he, he Corey Gamero, he, they've got they've got 
players that have scored against us before. And then you got little Mr. Wingy Pants, Matt Mackay, yeah. who generally likes playing against Melbourne Victory too. So who, who knows? I'm, I'm going to say 2-1 two, two, to Brisbane Raw. I'm going to say one all, a repeat result of the last time we met them. Look, they um, they played in the Gold Coast uh, their last game against Wellington and only pulled out a nil-all draw. So there's nothing utterly convincing about Brisbane Raw right now, but I do think... They beat the, Warrior, they beat the Wanderers away, but yeah. they're probably travelling as bad as good as we are. I, I think it'll be a 1-0 win to Brisbane because, yeah, it's just our record up there combined with our current state of mind, I think. I just don't think we have what it takes to, to, to win up there at the moment. Was there any particular reason why they played at the Gold Coast? I can't recall, but possibly Suncorp was being used for something. It didn't work. It just it was the, the crowd looked exactly like it used to at the Gold Coast. Yeah, it's not, exactly, um, it's not exactly... It's not exactly... It doesn't bring back fond memories of the A-League in general, that stadium. And I'm real at Lou Sticker, who we spoke with a few weeks ago, is adamant that that's going to be a place where a team can still thrive and flourish. Possibly. It's in, it's in Rabina. I've stayed in Rabina a couple of times, and that's a pretty pretty big nice place mm. like Gold Coast is just a black hole no one really makes it the Titans don't even really make it there yeah um, who knows uh, we'll leave it there yeah let's uh, can we reveal our guest for next week we we've can. pretty much we've pretty much yeah, confirmed we're, him we're going to have one of my favourite people ever in the entire world on the podcast next week Mr. Ned Zelich Ned Zelich Mr. Fantasy and Imagination yeah so we've got Ned Zelich on the on the uh, the show, he's been on before. We'll have him on again, um, so that should be a lot uh, a lot more exciting than he was us a good being. Inter- he was good motivated. last time. No, he was very good. Uh, so yeah, that that's it for us for today. Uh, thanks, boys, for for coming in and mon the vark mon. <laughs>